It's Tuesday, March 28th, 2017, and you're listening to episode 437 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 46 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. Still Wayne. Ah, he did it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought about usurping him and saying this is still Brodor, but... Mm -hmm. No, this one deserved it. Yeah. (laughs) Members of the audience are already disappointed. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) It's like they're all married to you. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Don't get me started. (laughs) That's why you're not into bigamy, is you don't need to disappoint more than one woman. No, that's absolutely, that's absolutely true. Although, <laughs> depending on her financial contribution, my wife would probably be down because she doesn't have to f*** me and there's another real income in the house. <laughs> wow. That's pretty practical. Yeah. yeah. She's an amazing woman. Yeah. I, I think what you need to do, because you said that if anything ever happens in a memory that you're going to switch to professional. Absolutely. So there's less judgment and yeah. you know whatever, right? But maybe the op- real opportunity here is you need to become a pimp because that would get you laid by other people and bring in some additional income. That, and it's all mine. And if memory's <laughs> down with this, then I think that's the direction you need to go. Is I With think- your life. Yes, yes. I think you need to quit your current job and become a pimp. Well, I need to quit my current job and, I don't know, blow dudes for a quarter. But you could advertise on Facebook. I think he will. Start <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, we're going we're gonna to get a rate card going, and, and we're going to work all this out on Facebook. And we're going to figure out who's available, who's in the stable. Oh, goodness gracious. I can't believe the horrible things you're saying on Facebook. I know. It needs to, I need to do something about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I will win. I will win. The doomsday clock is still ticking. Oh, it's, it, it, it has rung loudly recently. <laughs> I know, but that was like the stroke of six. Well, that's what's really crazy about it is that you cannot control what other people say. No, I can't. In, in life, yeah. outside of Facebook, you I hate either. it. I hate it. I just, I just wish I could control my players. Oh, I see what you're. Yeah, doing. I just see. Yeah. That's what the, in the business they call that a transition. Right, yeah. right, right. And it's always better when you point it out. Yeah, yeah. precisely. Yeah. It's like a good joke. No joke is funnier than when the joke is overexplained. Right. right. Yes. In this case, it's like the audio version of a star wipe. <laughs> a what? Star Wipe sounds like something that, like, it's on the set of pornography. (laughs) They have have the buffet table. They have, you know, the the, the hand sanitizer and then the big industrial vat of Star Wipes. And it's just a a chocolate starfish, like, right there. I always think it was a job description. You have the person with the wipe that is the Star Wipe. Squeaky clean. Star Wipes. (laughs) Good for porn, good for your family. My thought through all that was, do you really want to eat at a buffet at a porn shoot? No. I mean, (laughs) all the donuts are glazed. (laughs) Oh. So is the chicken sandwiches. Hey. So so is the director. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I just hit the brakes because I just didn't want to keep going down this road. Like, I totally want to keep going down this road, but I don't want to ruin the episode. Uh, (laughs) So, 
as you can tell, we got some coffee to Brodor earlier. Yeah. So. <laughs> Beth sends me this picture today. So apparently Pat has gone out and bought the Kenmore compensator. It's this refrigerator that is, an, it is enormous. Like, yeah. I mean, you have to keep things in the front. Like, I think you need to cord on off because if it goes beyond a certain point, I don't think you can physically reach stuff anymore. When they started talking about it, they started talking about, well, do we have to take all these cabinets down to be able to yes. fit it in? No, they are. They I, asked, I asked her that today. And I'm like, will this even fit in the nook for your fridge? And she's like, no, we are going to have to demolish and rebuild a portion of the kitchen to even put this refrigerator in its place. And so I wish I was a baller. Well, <laughs> so I'm looking at this thing. and I'm like, Beth, you have to promise me something here, which is I need you to get in a habit, given the size of this thing. And the fact that clearly it was not built by human hands. We, we don't have the technology to make a refrigerator of this size, right? This is the opposite of $6 million man. We do not have the technology. And so I took a look at this thing, and I said, Beth, you got to promise me that from now on, on a daily basis, that you are going to go down every morning, first thing when you wake up, go right out of bed, doesn't matter if the kids are screaming or anything else, you're going to go right down that refrigerator, open it up, and see if you see Narnia. Because <laughs> I know. Or or, you know what? I'm fine with either. One's a boss-ass adventure. The other's a boss fight. So I'm fine with either. But I said, if you see it, you have to leave the fridge door open. And I will come over within about 15 to 30 minutes. And we are going to go. 30 minutes? Is your car broken? Well, it depends on where I'm at. I could be at work. I might be Are you around. kidding? Look, look at this house. He has to wake up his driver <laughs> to drive him to his car. Yeah. I, I have to get the horses. <laughs> He's got to pick which car. Yes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and then have them bring it around. But no, so I told her, I said, you have, you have to do this. And I said, I'll even cut a deal with you. I said, I will accept you as my queen. You can be the queen of, you can be the queen of Narnia, but I'm going to be like your Oliver Cromwell. So what I'm going to do is, for anyone who knows the Narnia lore, and if not, I'll post a map of Narnia so you can see how this works. You see, the Arkan land, which is the land to the south of Narnia, basically became the Arden. They thought it was uncrossable because of this desert. And so in one of the books, Narnia gets invaded through Arkan land because they thought it was basically like the Ardennes was uncrossable. And I said, look, uncrossable terrain is no protector. The Nazis knew it. Hannibal Lecter knew it. Yes. So, so I, I, I told her, I said, look, uncrossable terrain. Hannibal from A-Team knew it. <laughs> it it's, it's no protector. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> Gosh, bringing Aisha's job hard. Um, <laughs> so I told her, I said, you know, uncrossable terrain is no protector. The Nazis knew it. Hannibal knew it. And now you know it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down to Telmar. We're going to take over the Telmarine lands. And then I'm going to turn them into a vassal state and start putting our assets into the Western wilds to basically keep the conflict on that front. And suddenly I realized as I was doing that all you're of this, a crazy person, that one, that's what I was thinking. One, I, I probably need to adjust my medication, <laughs> but two, you're doing, you're doing just fine. <laughs> but two, if there's total war, Warhammer, I, while I was looking at the map, I didn't realize how many kingdoms were in, the, the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. I thought it was just... You're going to make a mod for Total War There needs to be a Narnia mod? No, I'm entirely too lazy. But what <laughs> I am saying is if they did Total War Warhammer, there needs to be a Total War Narnia mm -hmm. because I have already worked out how a Narnia Arkenland pairing would basically take over that world. And hmm. somehow I drew an Oliver Cromwell who was basically a... Uh, 
he was on sort of a, like a religious genocide thing, which is probably not the best person to model myself after. No, <laughs> no. not in this day and age. No, 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 no. Maybe a few years earlier, but not just a few years. <laughs> yes, a few years. five, ten years ago. Well, in the, in the expanse of history. Yes, know. right. All right. So, topic for today. Is... No, no, come on. Roanoke <laughs> had an awesome it was, segue. It was a segue. We all know it was a segue. <laughs> he had an awesome segue. You screwed it up. Segways yeah. always. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Starwipe. Now, <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's like it's like a special. It has like a, a special chemical in it that will brainwash me, but it's a suppository, so they have to clean my butthole <laughs> to make me forget. <laughs> so we are clear. It's a video effect, you know, like a a, a camera wipe. Oh, I grok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just from... That's an just ep- not funny. It's from... <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> okay, so if anyone wants Brodor's seat... <laughs> well, we've already got people lined up for that, right? We're we already auditioning. It's true. Yeah. We're going to be having auditions starting next well, week. And McClure... Well, we, McClure? Yeah. yeah. He wants the seat. Yeah. You know what? Bring it. Yeah. It's going to be much challenge fight. accepted. Mm-hmm. You know, you did that with Facebook, and look how that's panning out. <laughs> oh, well, I've enjoyed the show, everyone. I, I really liked being here. <laughs> wait, wait until you start creating you start creating Facebook pages for your former employers. Yeah, I, I, I gotta stop. <laughs> really, you're honest. kind of out of control. Yeah, I, I am. It's, <laughs> it's like my twenties all over again. <laughs> So, Starwipe, the, the topic <laughs> not a thing you could say, Dan. It's not anymore. Not, not a thing that just happens. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Why am I the sane one on the show now? What happened I have here? still not unleashed the most horrible thought on my mind lately. Thank God. Okay. I'm really curious so, now. Jesus. <laughs> I need to hear this. So, controlling so, your players. <laughs> so, all right, Wayne, we'll, we'll come back. If you remind me at the end of the episode, I'll give you my most horrible thought. Okay. But, all right, so the topic we want to talk about is controlling your players specifically in the context of consequence. Yeah. All right, so your characters do something, your player characters do something in the game that you know ought to have a repercussion. And we're going to go with the presumption that one answer is off the table, which is sidestepping the situation completely. Yeah. So you're not... That's the easy one everyone does anyway. Right, right. Okay, so it's a real quick example. One that Chad mentioned in a prior episode is that in the Dresden game, Sarah's character went out into the middle of a public park and shot off a rifle a bunch of times and... Fired a handgun a bunch of times. Yeah, and by... Started a fire... And by Missouri law, should have been doing called a cop a pig quite a bit of hard time on this. But <laughs> three but, separate eyewitnesses, right? But they decided, you know, they really don't want to play Dresden Potosi instead of Dresden St. <laughs> Louis. There's a prison, prison in Potosi. Yeah, there's there's a county prison or whatever, or state prison in Potosi, and so they just kind of let it ride. But this is not the only time we've seen something like this in a role playing game. We've seen a lot of times where the characters go really far with something and they ought to pay a consequence but the issue that you have is one of two things either one the person may not respond well to being put under a consequence or two that the consequence that they ought to face 
is likely to really, really mess up the game. All right. So I'm taking off the table the solutions that occur outside of the game, such as, well, we're going to have a sit down with this person. Great idea. Not what we're talking about. And also the other one of, well, we're just going to let this ride and find some way to work around it. Let's assume you want to make them pay a consequence in the game that could detract from or shut down the game or knock a PC out of action for a dime and Batosi. And we're also talking about in-character legitimate actions here. We're not talking about somebody going off the rails and doing something stupid, doing something they're not supposed to. But this is something, like in the Sarah example, completely in-character had to do with her background, her history, not just the fact that she was a gun nut, but things happened in the game. There's all these situations, and it was like the equation came out to this. I'm also not talking about people who use, well, I'm doing this in character as an excuse to act like a jackass. That's not what she was doing either. So all the examples and stuff we give here is somebody legitimately doing something, and there is a price to be paid for that. They're willing to accept it, but that would in the game for all intents and purposes are just so negatively impacted. Some games, I think, already lend themselves to this pretty well because of the fact that potential consequences are built into either the mechanics or the setting. All right, for example, if you look at Shadowrun, getting caught, if your game master has never thought about what happens if the group gets mm-hmm. caught if they get arrested, if they have to go in for serious medical help and Lone Star or corporate security or whomever pulls them out, I don't know what kind of Shadowrun game you're playing. So I'm assuming the Game Master's already thought about this. And obviously, doing something like tossing the person an NPC until they manage to do a Shadowrun to either break the person out of jail or hack in and erase their record or something like that, as a standard part of the game. Yeah. You're killing yeah. anarchists committing crimes. Yep. That's yeah. on the table. It, it should be. Precisely. Another example similar to that is Blades in the Dark, mm-hmm. where it is very possible your character will be taken out of the game mechanically. Yeah. So, you know, it has to take that into account that your character may go to prison because yeah. that is part of the rule. So, yeah. Battletech's another example. So, depending on which era you're playing in and exactly what type of soldiers you're playing, there's all these mechanics built in for things like troop exchanges and and release Mm -hmm. of mech warriors and paying bounties or tributes or whatever to try and get somebody released back into your control. And so there's a mechanic in there for it. And that's assuming you don't just go for the standard war practice of, well, screw it, let's just make an infantry run or a mech run. Yeah, let's just do a prison break. Right, but what what we're talking about, or at least what we were discussing Mm -hmm. at dinner, are examples of extreme player behavior that aren't necessarily dealt with in the setting or in the mechanics. Let's say you're dealing with a fantasy game. Somebody is brought up before the king who by nature of the character is a loudmouth. They can't keep themselves in control Mm -hmm. and calls the king a liar. Because maybe the king was lying. Yep. And he was the only one brave enough to actually call him all his bullshit. But it doesn't change the fact that by all rights, the king is going to have that person thrown into jail. Mm Mm-hmm. And thus, your entire game just changed. Which, for some groups, that'd be cool. And they would go with that. But for others, that... Well, you got to think of the scale of the consequences, too. It's like, okay, so you're 
Lord of the Rings, you're at uh, that type of game, you're traveling to go through the Ring of the Volcano, it's a thousand miles away, you gotta get moving, you're on this quest, and somebody gets thrown in the clink for doing an action like that. In character, totally acceptable, awesome role-playing game scene, everyone's high-fiving each other, and the Game Master's sitting there going, these guys need to leave, because the plot isn't in the jail, and I have to throw this guy in the jail. So... Now what do we do? Do we change the plot? Do we do a prison break? It's, you know, th- these questions come up. How do you handle that? So I think it depends on a variety of factors. First, managing the expectations of the mm-hmm. players from the onset of the game and what's what's the tone of the game and what can they expect, number one. Number two, I can't help but in my experience as a game master, step away from the game and try to address the players, you know, as yeah. Mike, the game master, to... X the player and figure out, okay, do you understand the consequences to the actions that your character are taking? Mm -hmm. And do you realize the impact that that's going to have on the narrative, on your character, but also on your fellow teammates and the other players sitting in the table? Yes, this is one that I have used on multiple occasions with varying degrees of success, which is when I know something's about to go that far, stop the game and say, are you really sure? And I explain to them... And it can be quick. It doesn't have to be dramatic. Yeah. We're going to... Yeah, we just, need to I, have a talk. I, I want you to understand yeah. that this is what is likely to happen. You're going to get killed. You're going to get imprisoned. You've done that to me, and right. it's like I, as a player, did not fully understand the situation. Right. It's just yeah. like you do know you're mouthing off to the captain of the guard, and he has 20 guys behind him. Right. I'm like, wait... There's huh? 20 guys? And I thought he was in the street alone. No. You were upstairs yeah. jacking around when I described all the guards here. But you have mm-hmm. to break the immersion to clarify and those things to make sure that we're right. all on the same page. And I will say that in in some cases, the player has been reasonable enough that once given that added information, or even just taking the deep breath and saying, you know, I'm not looking to derail the game. Better to have one character moment slide than to shut this whole thing down, and they've gone with that. However, because a lot of people, I think, put a certain amount of pride or they're venting emotions or whatever is right, their ego won't let them back down well, and be reasonable. And it may not be ego. Ego is a common one. It may not be ego, but there is something that enters the equation to where when I say, do you want to back down? that only, for whatever reason, justified or unjustified, they feel they're being railroaded, they're mad about something, I don't know what, they just push harder and insist, yes, I'm doing this. And so that approach, mm-hmm. to use one of our old canards, tool in the tool bag, but it's not a fix-all. It's right. an especially good tool when it's a setting people don't know. Battletech's a good one. You know, if you don't know the Battletech rules, you may be under the assumption that if you lose this combat, they're going to kill you. You don't know that surrender is an option, that surrender, you don't necessarily lose your mechs. Right. That's a big one. I didn't know that first time playing Battletech. I thought we surrender, we lose all our stuff. We lose Mm -hmm. our, which stuff is, in some games, stuff isn't that big of a deal to me. But when your stuff is a mech and your character is built around that, then it's a bigger deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the other issues that we were talking about an example at dinner that we won't bore you with, but one of the issues that I have seen happen... And we'll bore you with completely different stuff. And, and certainly, <laughs> like, Star Wipes. <laughs> 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 but, 
So the exam, one of the examples we were talking about at dinner, it was like mass hysteria. Mm-hmm. It was the majority of the party was behaving in this nonsensical, crazy way. And there were a couple people in the party that were like, well, let's be calm. Let's be reasonable. Let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. And the game master went out of their way to make sure, okay, let me be, let me be the voice of reason. Let me deescalate the situation. And the players were just tenacious about yeah. You know, they got be, their blood be, up. Right. They, yeah. Exactly. They got their blood up and they decided that they needed to be nutty. And the whole situation just mm-hmm. went went sideways. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of game masters out there who look at that situation. You know, it's like, well, the, you got a couple of reasonable guys. You got a p- couple of people who just are really twisted around the ankle. They're uh, axle. Their blood is up and they're ready to go fight and roll some dice. Like, get out your dice because right. you're going to die. Well, and I... And, I, I I'm embarrassed to admit. Okay, I'm not embarrassed <laughs> to admit. But you put it on a T-shirt. I, I've done. I've done some bad game mastering in my day, mm-hmm. and I've certainly had my fair share of TPKs. But I would be remiss if I wasn't honest that some of them were malicious in exactly yeah. that situation. Where all right, you guys want to be ass- let's be ass. I've always been so reticent to wipe the party. Outside of a con game, usually because I have such a bigger story I want to tell, that wiping the party is, is worse. But all right, but that, that's a you know that's a side story. But, like in this example, though, mm-hmm. like this non-example that we're giving, I was thinking about like okay, everybody's bloods up and they're really gone. Like oh my god, we're just gonna like shoot everybody. We're instead of you know negotiating a piece so that everyone could walk away. We're just gonna start trying because we're the big damn heroes and we can take out whatever you throw at us. And the game is like, no, you guys are going to die. No, f- it, we're just going to roll. Say, okay, guys, I tell you what, let's take a break. 20 minutes, I need to go poop. And it's a really bad one, so I'm going to be like 20 minutes. That, I'll say de-escalate yeah. socially and psychologically. Because if their adrenaline is up, it takes 20 to 30 minutes for it to drain away. When it drains away, yeah. they get dopey well, and they're not going to... Yeah, the, the actual time it takes for an adrenal gland to fully empty and the adrenaline to metabolize out of your system is about five minutes. But thereafter, there's there's an the, after yeah, effect where rate. you still have to kind of recenter your brain and rethink things and more rational processes have to take back over. And so, Chad, I think therein lies one of the suggestions that I think is great, which is... It might be best to pause the situation before anyone has committed and say, okay, pause the game right here. Why don't we do dinner? Let's talk this over. Or you know what? If we're up against the end of the night or we're even anywhere close, Mm -hmm. let's just end it for now. Think this over. Come back to it next week. And if you're still dead set on it, one of two things. Make a new character. <laughs> well, either one, we can go through with it. Now, I, as the game master, have had a week to think of a solution yeah. of how to handle this. Or two, maybe in that time, you'll have backed off from it. You won't be as dead set on maybe it. Maybe as, as the game master, if you have a week, oh, a week is luxurious at that, yeah. in that kind of situation. You can email a couple of the moderate parties and say, yeah, can hey, you man, why don't you talk yeah. to this guy and talk yeah, about the ledge? Yeah. And so talk him down a bit. See, I think a second option that's very worth noting is to simply take a break from it. I think a third option, now this is going to work better in some games than others, and we mentioned this already a little bit, but I want to now make it a, a formal point, is to have an existing mechanism in place for when it all goes wrong. Now, this is not always possible. Some games don't allow it. 
sometimes what goes wrong you didn't expect or when it goes wrong you didn't expect. Let's take Shadowrun as an example. There's a big difference between the party getting arrested and the party being on a dirigible going across the Atlantic and blowing it up. (laughs) These are two very, very different scenarios. And so not all things are equal. Chad, there's a game that right now I'm helping you sort of polish up in a bit for release, the Spiders My Mind game. Hell, you're putting so much into it, you're about to get a co-writing credit, (laughs) just so you know. I appreciate that. (laughs) But the the point being that part of the way the game works is it takes place in two cycles. Mm -hmm. So you play these people in an insane asylum, and during the day, it specifically says the point of that is to do character exploration and whatever. And so your characters are metted up, straight-jacketed, whatever's right for that campaign. And certain things are supposed to happen. And then there's a night time, so the main staff goes home and things get a whole lot, excuse the pun, crazier. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that can go off the rails in the night cycle. And one of the things you put in the rules that I love is you specifically note that a good use for the following day cycle is to undo anything in the night cycle that derailed the game. So if at the end of the night cycle, someone is seriously injured or at the end of the night cycle, someone has escaped or someone is trapped in old tunnels beneath the, the facility or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like (laughs) someone Indian Hill. And there is a great opportunity there to say, okay, by the time the morning shift rolls around, the person gets the medical attention, the police find them wandering down the street, whatever happens And so by morning time, I mean, there might be some repercussions. The person might still be injured. They might be psychologically agitated, but they are at least back in the picture. Right. And so there's a mechanic built in the game for if this goes wrong. But it's it's an unusual thing because it's almost like phases of play in a a board game. Mm -hmm. And not many role-playing games have that. Yeah. That's not. There's not a whole lot of role playing games that do that. I know. Okay, Blades does to an extent, and Satanic Panic, and Satanic Panic. <laughs> but there's not a lot of games that do that. But I think once again, point three here is I still think to some extent you can at least as a game master think, what do I do broadly speaking? What are some brain? What's half a dozen ideas? Even just three ideas that I can plug and play to handle them getting captured, them getting seriously injured, them mouthing off to the wrong person, whatever you're afraid they might do. Right. Their inability as a party to yield. And yeah. so now you have dead cops everywhere in your Shadowrun game. <laughs> right. And more dead cops and more you know, dead cops. So one thing I did once was I had a couple of players make a... This was in the dressing game. So there is a skill called lore. I had a couple of players make a lore roll. And I gave them something that they should know as their characters. It's my way of basically saying, instead of stopping outside of the game and saying, whoa, you don't want to do this, it was my way of giving them information. This NPC, who seems to be really powerful and has all of these guards, called you his guest. Mm. 
You now know that he cannot attack you unless you attack him first. Because he's a fae. Right. There's a a social, there's an actual magical binding social contract. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure you remember the exact scene, Chad. There were some people in the group that I think were ready to escalate to a combat. Yeah. And I had it mechanically ready. You would have been stomped. Mm -hmm. And so it's like I gave that out of character, but I worked it into the mechanics of the game of make a lore roll. Okay. Because the you know this none of the players maybe Sarah but I don't know none of the players have read the Dresden Files books what? except but Wayne's read them all so yeah we yep. we trip over that and, a and lot. Wayne I th- I think this takes me to point four which is let's make a deal mm-hmm. so things have gone wrong but there might be a way we can negotiate out of it now it might be a devil's bargain. In Dresden, I suppose, quite literally, it might be a devil's bargain. In other games, it's the best bargain in Dresden. In other games, it might be more. The funny thing is, there actually is a mechanic in Blades of the Dark mm-hmm. called Devil's Bargain. Yeah, right. But you know, the point is that you can have these negotiations where let's go to the Dresden game real quick here and say, well, okay, she's in jail, but we've got a problem, and there's a captain of the St. Louis Police Department who's kind of in the know. Mm-hmm. And if you take care of a cold case killing that we have good reason to believe is a vampire or whatever, right. then we're willing to look the other way this one time and make a deal. And something that I think ought to be emphasized here is if you have a hard-headed party, the deal doesn't have to be with them. Mm-hmm. If person X gets arrested... I can say, okay, you're in the clink. Brodor, somebody approaches you and says, I'll cut you a deal. I'll let your friend free. But here's some conditions. One, you never come back here. And two, you have three days to bring me something I want before my people come looking for you. And so you have this way of sort of... And the things that but the, point the is- person is asking for... Like the deal, like, Brodor, I want you to get this thing and not go to this place. It's a useful tool for the GM because, you know, a GM with an expansive world and expansive plot line has things that the players just keep missing or they just don't get the hint or they just don't quite go over there. Now, it's not the main plot. They're They're on the rails, so to speak, for that. But it's a good way. Somebody does something stupid. You give them a consequence. Then you give them an out. But the cost of the out is to get the players to do the thing you want them to be doing or the things they've missed or the cool stuff. That's good advice. Thank you. The idea of using it to further the the greater narrative. Right. Right. All of these ideas flowing around my head now of things like, you know, okay, a deal gets made, but it's not with the party and not with the player. It's with the bad guy. Well, that's Mm -hmm. another possibility. They've been turned over to the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. hold hold on one sec on that Mm -hmm. one. But but, uh, to finish up point four... Make a bargain and keep in mind that if you've got one hard-headed or emotional player, it does not have to be with that player. It can be with something else. Suggestion number five <laughs> is handle it at the plot level. That this gets resolved, but somehow it gets resolved in a way that does not involve any players whatsoever. Oh, what's a good example? You're playing D&D. They have a high-end magical item. There's a creature out there that comes from some other plane and feeds on these points of focus, feeds on magical items. Well, maybe a wizard in the court of the king that they work for cuts a deal with this extraplanar being 
and says, if you get them out of jail, I'll let you feed on their magical items. What dick. You know, nice. But you know what? It's a great way to make there be a consequence mm-hmm. and at the same time get the party back into it. Some people, that's going to really piss off. Here's yep. the way I look at it, though. People say, look, I want that magic item because I worked for it, I earned it, and maybe you did. But you also worked for it and earned your way into jail. Yeah. And if you cannot handle some degree of consequence, maybe role-playing's not for you. (laughs) Right. And it's interesting how much this parallels conversations we've had before on the mics about players not wanting to face failure. Mm-hmm. Facing a consequence to an action, I think, sometimes is perceived as a failure. I did this thing and I'm being punished for yeah. it, right? Which, well, that's exactly right. You did this thing and you're being punished for it, suffering the consequences of that action. But they don't want to accept that, just like they yeah. don't want well, to accept well, it, failure for their In characters. this case, and maybe the GM that's not wanting to. So let's say Chad's character is integral for what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And he does something and he gets thrown in jail. Right. I don't want his character in jail. Right. Because yeah. I want his character out there for that scene. It's so, in character. It's cool. Yeah. I'm me. I accept the consequence. Yeah. I own it. Yeah, throw me in jail. We're going to do some awesome role play. Me as a GM, I don't want to do the jail role play because I have something about to happen. <laughs> so then I, okay. I run into the same well, situation. But I, I wonder if players, when they engage in behavior that derails the game, if they recognize that that behavior is derailing the oh, game. Oh, I think well, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And yeah. I wonder if they care. Uh, that's the bigger point. Now, I will say I've had players who didn't know. Depends on if they bought GMs a brief, Well, uh, yes. There's, there's yes. an excellent point. But big education here, and they back off, right? I pause the game and be like, hey, are you aware of this means this, this, and this? And usually they back off. But there's other times where once they get it, or they, I knew from the start they got it, they didn't care. I mean, there was emotion, there was ego, there was whatever. But the stereotype, as unfair as it is in many ways, I think is still based on a point of reality, which is a lot of gaming and a lot of gamers, and by a lot I mean more than I'm comfortable with, get their thrills out of antisocial behavior in gaming. And whether that's antisocial behavior towards the other players, towards the game master, or more often just towards the game world itself, they like the idea that the the guards can't tell them what to do. They like the idea that they can mouth off to authority. They li- And maybe there's something in particular they're venting or working out in the game. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not anybody's psychologist. I'm not going to follow that down. But that is a reality that you have to contend with. But how many times have you been in a D&D game where you pretty much understand the world in three basic circles. There's the party and the major NPCs that form the good guys. There's the villains. And then there's everybody else who pretty much doesn't matter. They're just setting material. Mm-hmm. They're just backdrop. They're just so many extras that get killed and make the Wilhelm scream. And I hate the Wilhelm scream. I do too. So it pulls me out so much. Yes, same here. Same here. I can be I can be completely immersed in a movie, and the moment I hear the Wilhelm scream, I'm straight out sitting in my seat in the theater. I I'm not thinking about the movie. I'm thinking about some tittering sound guys going, "Oh, we'll put this in. We're so original." Shut up. You want you want to know who puts it in literally every movie he makes? Oh, come on. Here's the biggest moron in movie making. Who? Michael Bay? George Lucas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's in literally every movie he makes, I believe. 
You know, one thing I've seen, Dan, is I've seen players actually realize that their character would cause a disruption because the party's about to do something, and I've done this myself, and find an excuse for the character to not be there. I've actually had that happen a couple times in game. <laughs> My character was a big superhero, and some of the other characters are darker heroes, and they're getting ready to torture a guy. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, I'm going to go on patrol around the around the grounds. And not your character saying... I'm going to go on patrol no. so I don't see that, but yeah. you saying I'm taking my character on patrol so he doesn't see this. Exactly, because it's like, out of character, I see this coming. In character, he doesn't see it coming yet. Yeah, Take the character out. And I've seen that happen a few times with, like, paladins, mm-hmm. where the paladin player you know will take what? the paladin out I hate to that. not visit, not watch I, it. I hate that. I think that is as bad as a game master not giving consequence. That's a role-playing moment that has been wiped out oh when the paladin chooses the player wants something terrible to happen yes but the character can't allow it and so therefore the player is just like whoops my paladin had to take a dump well and here's and here's your consequence right your god strips you of your powers you have to atone because you know exactly why you left because yeah it was willful negligence exactly you knew exactly what you were doing yeah and there's a situation where it did strip them well and there is a concept in both law and in many religions which is the idea that it is wrong to be so grossly negligent, mm-hmm. you know, to so intentionally turn your back to a threat or to a... Unless you're playing like the god of absolute legalism. <laughs> <laughs> well, you playing like the god of friend computer. Right. I mean, hey, you know, there's some crazy D&D gods out there. Yeah. Why not? It's, well, and look, here's something the players can do. If you don't want to end up in that situation... You want to be consistent to your character, but not create this problem. A little piece of advice is put some fail-safes in there that aren't stupid. Okay, for example, with Narl, I had him leashed to Saren. He had his impulses. He had his bestial nature. But he also had his sense of honor and his sense of, of tribesmanship and all this stuff. And he saw himself as ultimately belonging to and being in the service of Pat's character. And so it was like, well, you did this, and by every internal consistency of being a knoll, he's about to take this bratty little kid in the middle of the village, tear him in half, and eat his entrails. Pat, <laughs> I need you to yank the leash. And yeah, I and wrote we in there this conversation. Yeah, and, and it works. And I wrote in there that that's that's part of his thinking, and so he had that built in there. That there's a way to control him that does not require him being absolutely inconsistent with his own morality or absolutely negligent of his own nature. And I I think that's something, I mean, that right there, that anecdote points out something that I don't think that some gamers, myself included, do enough. And that is the collaboration out of character to say, you know, hey, this is what my character is feeling. I need you to kind of work with me here so I don't go off the rails and do something in character that would be appropriate that I need you in character to prevent me from doing or to persuade me or or to change the situation in some way. Now, I realize this next one is a little bit similar to a point I made earlier, but I'm going to throw this in as point. Is this six or seven? I think you did two fours and a five and a half. We've lost star wipes. Star wipes. (laughs) We're going back to number one. (laughs) Wipe off the number two. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But... (sighs) So, uh, yeah, but, okay, so Star Wipe, and (laughs) 
it, this I realize this is somewhat similar to one we described before about some games having a mechanic for handling this already. But something I think you can opt to do is to choose to role play that out. And some games and some situations will handle this better than others. But let me use an example of what came to my mind when these guys were talking about the issue in the Dresden game of discharging a firearm in a public place. And I started thinking, actually, what came to my mind was season two of Daredevil, when Daredevil, as Matt Murdock, ends up tasking himself with representing Punisher, Frank Castle, in a criminal setting. And so suddenly, you know, all the crimes and all the terrible things they've caught themselves up in, it does go through the legal system. And there was, I mean, one, two, three episodes, whatever, that were dedicated to that being handled in the legal system. And so I start kind of thinking like, okay, so if if I was running this game, who's someone I could get who would be enough in the know, yet also have some powers and be kind of shysty and be able to pull off the ambulance chasing lawyer and find some loophole to get Sarah out of there. And immediately thought Chad's character coyote should (laughs) assume human form and show up in some cheesy stereotypical <laughs> Texas suit. Better call Coyote. Yeah, better call Coyote. And he's suddenly the Atticus Finch, except hopefully more successful. And less racist. <laughs> and less racist, depending on which iteration of the book. And go for that angle. And you said there's some reasons that that could the happen. The Coyote could. But in fairness, that's basically what I did. Right. I, I had a character that was in the know, an NPC show up, that essentially did the same thing. Right. And I could have role-played out the interrogation, but I realized I didn't want to. Well, yeah. and I think the the balancer there would be to find a way, and this would, if I was running a game, require some prep as a game master to make sure that everyone is involved, mm-hmm. to try to find some way that, okay, obviously Sarah's involved because she's the defendant. Mm-hmm. Obviously Chad's going to be involved because he's playing the defense attorney. But at this point now, I need to find either an NPC role. So, okay, Pat, you can play the prosecution for example, or find a way to say, okay, you're going to stay in your character, but here's how you're going to be material witnesses. Or while this is going... Do you know how much fun Pat would have being the prosecutor? Oh, yeah. Because Pat has discovered about himself in a couple of these games where I've given him this opportunity. He loves to be the NPC causing problems for the players. This has not surprised me in the least. He he absolutely has a ball with it. It's like so bringing in a giant him. refrigerator that your wife has nowhere to put. <laughs> and then being like, eh, I'm sick, you deal with this. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I get to see that about him. Wow. What, what's great is, if I was Beth, I know exactly how I would deal with it. That's in that bath. <laughs> Dealt with. Or put it in the garage. But <laughs> the point being, though, that I think you could come up with some ways, if you thought about it, to either involve them in the scene or to involve them in a parallel scene. We talked about that what if there was a conflict of powers? That what if the prosecution has been compromised by people on the bad guy magic side, right? Mm-hmm. And so the party's trying to sort of push this in one favor. You know, Maybe they're doing a, a thing to try and pop in and out of the fay and, and tamper with some evidence or something. And the bad guy's trying to manipulate somebody's mind and they're trying to counter it and, you know, whatever. Like, like one of those 
Quidditch scenes in Harry Potter where everybody's doing magic and counter magic and counter counter magic and trying to screw with each other until finally Hermione just sets somebody on fire, which seemed like a bit of an extreme solution in, in retrospect. But it was a solution. It was a solution. Yes. Setting someone on fire is never an extreme solution. That's usually in, the, in our group. That's play. the go to. Yeah. That and panty raids. Yeah. <laughs> but only Dawn does those. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up. Once again, Fear the Con 10 sign-up is still going on out there. I have posted my first game. I'm actually already working on a second game I'm going to post. It's going to be an inspector's game that starts off with Pat taking me, Brodor, and Wayne over the berm at a golf course, and we're going to find out what (laughs) he was really after and why that really went down. But I've got some other ideas for games. So get you out there, post your games, sign up for games. We would love to see you at Fear of the Content coming up there. What does it cost? What does Fear of the Content, what does it cost? Uh, I One million dollars. It's utterly free, right? I mean, the con's fully funded. You just show up, just sign up. Yes. You know, don't quote me on this, because we have Adam at Alia mm-hmm. running the con this year. But... I think that's correct, that I don't think there's a a door price. I think there's no ticket price at the door. If I'm wrong on this, then everyone forgive me, because I am not sure. But you know where you can find out? Fearthecon.com. That should have that information. And if not, there should be some way you can contact. Uh, If you go on the forums, I'll I'll link his forum profile. So if you have any questions for Adam Gottfried or Derek Knudsen or any of those guys, I will link their forum profiles off of the show notes so you can... Do we know what heart-wrenching, guilt-ridden, soul-crushing charity is going to be this year? Yeah, last I heard, it's Pat. Yep. So, actually, I do know. And I will admit it's not quite up there with, like, homeless people puppy orphans in need of american flags i don't know pat could do some good puppy eyes but he makes whimpering sounds i don't want to smack him in the ass (laughs) (laughs) wow so anyways thank you guys for tuning in have a great week and great games (laughs) we're going over the burn that's right (laughs) and we will catch you next time star this has been a production of fear the boot copyright 2017 Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.